The world has gone insane. Cosplayers rule the conventions. Gamers dominate the tabletop and the internet. Sci-fi subjugates the movies. And fantasy rules the bookstore with an iron fist. Only one group can bring order to this unruly mob. A team of uber geeks, masters of the nerdly arts, trained for decades in the hobby shops and basements of the nation. Mobilized by the secret masters, they are the Department of Nerdly Affairs. Hello, operatives, and welcome to the Department of Nerdly Affairs. I'm your host, Rob Patterson, here with my co-host, Don Chisholm. Yay, you kids with your fancy iPhones and internets. Back in my day, if we wanted to record something, we did reel-to-reel. Wow, your day is a little farther back than mine, Don, but okay then. Well, Gramps, (laughs) um, I think I know a way to make you feel even older, and maybe some of our listeners as well. Um, we have two very special guests on the show today. We have uh, Matt Bambrick and Anika McMullen. They are the co-presidents of the Department of Nerdly Affairs Millwood chapter. Welcome to the show, guys. Hi. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it's a yeah. real honor. Oh, it, it, the honor is all ours. I mean, you chose to name your high school club after us, and so the honor is truly ours. Mm. Uh, we we were actually very surprised when our mutual friend uh, Jack Ward came to us and said you guys might be interested and very flattered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we have been. We were having a discussion over the name, I believe, at the time. Yeah, we wanted to do something that because uh, we wanted to get T-shirts and we have our social media accounts and we didn't want to copyright anybody else's name. Right. And so we mm-hmm. thought it would be really cool if we went with something, even though it was already like you guys have your name, but we could be like. Mm. Uh, a branch of that and go oh, yeah. off like the theme of nerd and geeky things. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No, no, you guys have excellent taste. Excellent taste. <laughs> Wait, does, does that mean you guys actually have like t-shirts and such with the Department of Nerdly Affairs Millwood branch on it? Um, not yet. Okay, when you do, let us know because we will definitely order shirts. Mm. Yeah, our logo is a 20-sided die drawn by one of our members. Oh, that's so, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Jaden did a great job on it. Mm-hmm. So we had a we had a lot of applications for our logo, and we just kind of like we had a vote. Well, you're a democracy, uh, unlike this show, which is a complete dictatorship. But who's <laughs> the dictator? Uh, um, we we take turns. Uh, we yeah. do it. We do it Roman style. Um, <laughs> you may or may not know this, but the ancient Romans actually they had rotating dictators, and sometimes they had co-dictators. Yeah. So it's a weird old thing where so we, we follow the Roman tradition. We're we're really old school. Anyway, so how so how many people are in your club? Uh, it varies week to week, but on average about twenty kids. Mm, One wow. of our main things is it's open door, so have a consistent amount of at least like fifteen to twenty people. Wow. Okay, that's not bad. So what do you do at your meetings then? Again, varies. Yeah, so we have, um, since we have a lot of different interests in the club, we it goes from week to week, so sometimes we'll have a show, so we watched an episode of the IT Crowd one week, mm-hmm. and we also do presentations, so people will come up, and if there's any movies or shows that are coming out, and they want to, or games, video games, um, that they want to share with the club, they'll, we'll bring it up on the projector, and we'll watch mm-hmm. the trailers for these things, and then discuss them a little bit. Well, how often do you meet, then? Is it a weekly club? Yeah, every Friday at lunch. Every fr- okay, so it's just during the lunch hour then. Mm-hmm. So you yeah, guys- so we we only have like um 
by the time we start, we only have like 40 minutes of, of club time. So, yeah, that doesn't give you a lot of chance to actually do like club group activities then. No, yeah, we do a lot. Events come in. Yeah. So um, a couple weeks ago, we had a D&D night. So we rented mm-hmm. out the library after school. And we had about 20 people come down. And we had three different tables of um, the groups playing a D&D campaign. Huh. Which version of D&D? Fifth edition. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. we had a group of DMs that DM pretty They're all my DMs, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we had them sit. They sat down. They created a custom thing. They decided on their groups. Everyone would spend about like one to two weeks creating their group and character. And then and we just played. Oh, well, that's not a bad idea. Now, do you guys do uh, do a lot of gaming events like that or? Oh, we um, want to. We're trying to do more. Last year, we had like a mini Magic the Gathering tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're trying to uh, get out, get out in the public more, like with the rest of our school and stuff. Right. And so it's a project. We're working on it. We have a couple more. We're doing a movie night actually this this Thursday, where we're having a showing in the cafeteria after school of Indiana Jones: Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh huh. <laughs> now, yeah. was that suggested to you by Mr. Ward? Um. <laughs> I don't believe I was at the meeting where we chose, but it probably. I believe, actually, it was suggested by Mr. Welcher. Yeah. However, it may have also been a, as you know, I have, have quite a few friends in the club that just wanted to see the movie again, so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, either way, they're all really excited about it. Oh, that that's awesome. So, yeah. So why was the club started in the first place? I mean, not that you really need a reason, but I'm I am curious. Oh my. I believe it was Mr. So we've only been in this club. This is our third year, and it's been going for longer than that. I think about five or six years. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Ward and Mr. Welcher started the club just to give uh, people who liked nerdy and geeky things, some people who like different sort of things, like a safe place mm-hmm. to express those things. Mm-hmm. Because um, they always talk about how when they were kids, it wasn't really as accepted or like normal to like mm-hmm. these sorts of things. And mm-hmm. so. It was just sort of like a fun and safe place for kids to go to, like, like whatever they wanted to like. That sounds like an excellent idea. Okay, very cool. Um, so, Anika, why did you decide to become the co-president then? Why did you uh, take a leadership position? I, I enjoy leadership positions. Um, and I had been in the club for two years. And last year, um, we had some issues with our management. Mm-hmm. And the club went very downhill, and I ended up um, doing some stuff to try and keep it on track. So I thought, I just want to keep doing that. I want to see the club mm-hmm. progress and uh, become, you know, at, like it was before it went downhill. And right. actually, I'm really proud of the progress that we made this year. We've gotten a lot of new members, and we've done a lot of really cool stuff. Yeah, <laughs> and I would mostly uh, actually on on the advertising we've done in the school. Like, for example, very early in the year, there was a club meet where basically the clubs went and just promoted themselves. And this was our first real promotion for the year. So we, me and Anika both just did as much as we could. And I think that's basically where all our main um, members came from, I believe. All the new ones, yeah, like all the grade nines and tens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we still have some returning members. Right. Come That's fantastic. 
Well, I mean, that's how clubs work, right? You high school clubs, you have to you cycle through basically. That they join as Niners, and hopefully they leave at uh, grade at the end of grade twelve. Yeah. They, yeah. We have um, Katie. She was in the club before us, and she graduated last year. But she so sometimes the club when we have a movie that we all like, we'll go after school one day, and I'll go see the movie together. Mm-hmm. And she'll she's graduated, and she's in college now. But she'll come with us, or she'll come. If she doesn't have classes, she'll come in and sit in on a meeting or something. And right. It's it's really great. That is. That's fantastic. Um, wow. Okay. So then, Matt, I mean, tell me about a bit about your background. So what geeky things are you into? Oh, boy. Well, <laughs> I guess my main thing would be Star Wars. I can <laughs> consider Star Wars my main nerd, nerd faction. Mm-hmm. But after that... Um, just various video games, mainly Pokemon and Fallout. Right. Okay, what do you play those on? Um, well, if I could, I would love to do it on a computer. But since my computer is complete garbage, mm-hmm. it's mostly on a Nintendo Switch or an Xbox. Oh, okay, you have a Switch, so that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, I have a bunch of students at the college. I teach at the local college, and they, the ones that have switches, absolutely love them. They, I asked them about them when I was teaching a class on video games, and they, they all adored it. Oh yeah, it's a great system. My only problem with it is that you have to be super careful with it because it costs a lot and it's very fragile, right? Mm-hmm. And they give you this good protective case when you first get it, which I always carry that around if I'm ever going to bring it out. But I rarely bring it out because I fear that I'm going to break it. But after that, it's a great system. Right, yeah. Mm -hmm. One of my students joked that he got a a part-time job just to pay for the Switch. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't blame him. Yeah. No, no, I can So what was your first Star Wars movie then? Oh, my. Or what was your entry into Star Wars? I'm curious. Ooh, this is a great story, actually. (laughs) Okay. So... This is going to be a long one, too, but essentially, I have an old old farm-slash-cottage down in Lower Caledonia, and it's very old, so naturally it's accumulated a lot of, of relics, let's say. And one of them is an old VCR player, and luckily, we managed to build up a full collection of the original trilogy on on the original, like the actual original VCR set. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I couldn't tell you what my first movie was. I've just always loved Star Wars. My memory mm-hmm. does not go far back enough. But right. The original old movie, like A New Hope. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's so weird hearing people talk about VCRs as old. Yeah. It's <laughs> ancient technology. Yeah. <laughs> Believe me, it hasn't changed. Every time I go down there, it's our tradition to watch them all again. Like, just binge watch them as much as we can. Oh, wow. <laughs> right. Wow. So, what's your favorite Star Wars movie then? That would definitely be Episode Five. The technological mm-hmm. might of the Empire shown in full force, and, and the fact that it wasn't just a stereotypical good guys win movie really mm-hmm. sold me. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. Empire Strikes good Back answer. is a yeah, good answer. That's that's <laughs> generally I think is considered to be the best film of all of them. I mean, yeah. it's the one Lucas had the least to do with, but you know that that <laughs> maybe that may be yeah. why. Um, Irving Kirshner and oh crap, uh, Lee Brackett. It was mostly written by Lee Brackett, who was a 
uh, a female scriptwriter, actually, and one of the few working in Hollywood at the time who had a great reputation. Unfortunately, she passed away not too long after the uh, Empire Strikes Back came out, so we didn't get to see a lot more from her. But um, she was a fairly accomplished writer in her time, and uh, it's it's a real tragedy. And that may be why the Empire Strikes Back is so good, actually, is because it was one maybe one of her best works. Yeah, and I would agree with that too. Like, there's nothing I have wrong against George Lucas, but I do definitely see the difference between in that and the other movies that he had the most to do with. Right. Well, there's the problem, right? That uh, Lucas was actually going through his divorce when uh, The Empire Strikes Back came out, or was being in production, I should say. And so yeah. Lucas basically just handed them the keys to the car, so to speak, and, and said, yeah, do whatever you want with it, and went off to deal with his own emotional and other issues that were going on. So the truth is, he has very little to do with that movie. Like, he basically just signed off on a few things, and that was it. Yeah, and he actually, part of that VCR set is actually the collective interview he had with... Um, Howard Mullen, and mm-hmm. and obviously just as much, and and he expresses his his um well his involvement with all of the movies, including that. So I understand and what you're talking about when you say he didn't have much to do with it, because mm-hmm. he mostly just talks about all the other her, um writers and that during those interviews. Right, yeah, he would, because, again, he's just kind of sitting back as an executive producer, basically, while everyone else does their best. And he brought, but he did, he was the guy who brought together a dream team. He was the guy who brought um, brought all the characters or brought the whole setup. And then he just kind of let them go, gave them his notes and said, go to it. At least that's, mm-hmm. as far as I know, that's how it went down. Um, and yeah, no, and I think they, that's produced some of the best results. I mean, we saw what happened in the prequels when Lucas took full control again, uh, mm-hmm. un- unfortunately. Um, but <laughs> I mean, I have nothing against the prequels, to be honest. I've seen them almost just as much, and I have mm-hmm. nothing oh, wow. against them. It's more, it's more against the sequels, to be honest. <laughs> and I don't even have much against that lack right. of development in some characters. <clears throat> Snoke! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the the sequels are all over the board, but I mean, I don't entirely blame Abrams and the others because with the prequels, or sorry, with the sequels, what was happen? What's happening is, is you know, Disney paid four billion dollars for Lucasfilm, and then they handed Abrams the keys and said, "Okay, here's our four billion dollar baby. Don't break it." Mm. And so they basically played over cautious and over safe with it. At least that's my take on yeah, it. Yeah, I still found Episode Seven pretty good. The only tragedy I see was them doing the same thing, but with Ryan Johnson. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. And, yeah. Anyway, but this isn't. Well, let's not turn this into a complete Star Wars fest. So. Yeah. So, of course. Of course. So, Anika, tell me about your you know nerdly background. What are you into? Uh, my main thing is superheroes and comic books. Mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. Good comic choice. books. I'm um mm-hmm. a really big DC fan, mm-hmm. which apparently in the club is reason to get me fun of. <laughs> <laughs> All lightheartedly, of course, but <laughs> of course, of course, many debates. And um, I I watch anime a lot, which is also mm-hmm. another thing I get made fun of for. I'm just everybody just pokes fun at me a lot. Um, and uh, TV shows and other stuff like that. Okay, well let's let's work our way through that. So so what DC comics are you a fan of? 
Uh, mainly Justice League, and I like I really like Batman, and I've also gotten into some Shazam. I read um, I got them at a convention, the like original ones. Mm. So I ran mm. through some of those. Yeah. Right. And wow. then I read um, what was it? The the Earth Two uh series. Right. Okay. I really liked those ones too. Hmm. Okay. All, all you have to do if people make fun of you, like especially Marvel fans for like in DC, just look at them and go the Clone Saga, and then leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, that, that that'll do it. Um, for those who don't know, he's referring to the Spider-Man Clone Saga that they did, which was a complete uh, mess of epic performance. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was an epic tragedy in comic form. Um, I mean, so is the new 52. Yeah. If you ask me, but. (laughs) Yeah, well, this is the problem. Both the big companies are stuck in that cycle where everything they do has to somehow come and connect up with some big yearly or multi-yearly event. Mm -hmm. And uh, it makes it really hard to actually read anything by them because your story is getting hijacked every couple issues by some mega story. Yeah. And they're trying to force you to read other stuff. So that's why I don't generally read modern comics at the moment because I got too sick of that. And I just, they've been doing that since the 1980s, but it's just gotten worse over the years. Yeah. And the movies don't help at all. <laughs> no, not, not yeah. at all. So do you read any like non DC comics? Yeah. I read a lot of Marvel too. I read mm-hmm. uh, the, uh, what I, I, I read, obviously I read Deadpool. Um, mm. <laughs> I try, I like Teen Titans. I didn't like the reboot that they did recently. I couldn't get into those ones at all. You mean the comic or are we talking the TV show? Oh, the comics. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cuz they had okay. the Teen Titan comics and then they did like the new Teen Titans, which mm. is like tried to like they brought in some new characters and tried to like modernize it and stuff and right. it just wasn't very good. Mm. Right. Well, you know, I I can understand. The Titans are one of those titles that well, again, they've been around since the 1960s. And so they've got their good periods and their bad periods. And they go way good and they go <laughs> way bad, depending on what era and what period we're talking about. Yeah, that's that's true. Unfortunately. Um, the well, better... I'm sorry, sorry oh, Don, go. Oh, oh, no, I was just going to say, that was the thing with the, uh, the new 52 as well. I remember the press conference for that, where they announced that they were going to target the hitherto unheard of superhero audience of 15 to 25 year old males, you know, <laughs> people who would never read a superhero comic. And it, yeah, for everybody I've, I've talked to about that, it sounds like, yeah, you're, you're right. It kind of went, it's that idea that it looks new, but it's kind of the same old stuff. And it sort of feels like it, even though it looks new and it's more confusing than anything entertaining. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Sadly, sadly. All right. So let's move on to the cooler stuff. So, so what anime are you into? <laughs> oh my gosh. Which oh ones am I not into? <laughs> um, well, what are your favorites? Let's go, or at least favorites. current favorites right now. So I don't, I watch some of the mainstream animes, but not all of them. So I, I'm really into ones with um, a lot of fighting and death. So <laughs> I That's really probably like. Good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I really like Future Diaries. Um, Attack mm-hmm. on Titan was okay. It's definitely not one of my favorites, though. Mm-hmm. And I like Beyond the Boundary and, hmm. oh my gosh, I'm like brain farting right now. <laughs> um, 
I know a lot of I read I've not read I read manga too actually I really like um My Hero Academia right now that mm-hmm. one's very mainstream it's very popular right now oh yes it is yep yep and uh fairy tale I watched Sword Art Online it it wasn't very good um yep. if you ask me <laughs> they should have ended it after the first arc and yes they should have yeah that's just there was no point and it just kind of got dragged out. And I feel like a lot of it lost a lot of fans because of that too. Well, uh, it wasn't entirely their fault though, because if you know the background of Sword Art Online, it was written as a one-shot light novel mm-hmm. for a light novel contest in Japan. That's and then that that one-shot light novel, which is the first arc, basically got super popular, and so they said, "Make more, make more." So we just starts. So Reki Kawahara just kept writing more and more of it. But the problem is, really, they're all just the first one again and again and again. Yeah. So that's why it's a complete mess. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, I can totally see that. I didn't, I didn't know that, but like, I can see it. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. everyone knows that because everyone's shocked when they get to like, I think it's episode eleven or twelve. But it's like, wait, wait, what? Didn't we? Did, is this story over? And then it just suddenly <laughs> go, and then suddenly it kind of reboots in a new setting. And but it's basically this it's almost the same kind of thing, and then it just drags on and on. I mean, some people love it, but. I think that uh, yeah, it didn't it, it? They really should have just gone back and restarted it from zero, which Kawahara did. There's actually a new series. What is it? Sword Art Online. I'm blanking on the name, but basically, it's there are a new series of novels. They haven't animated them, but they're sold Sword Art Online. Oh my god, it's not re. It's something anyway. There's just, it has another name, and it's basically just that first arc done slowly instead of rushed through, <laughs> and that's. Oh. And they're doing it as a series of novels. Would it get, they, oh, sorry. Do you think it would get animated? Would it be animated? Uh, it's not animated yet. He'd have to get pretty far through. To, I think the uh, sort of like progressive. I think that's what it's called. And um, you won't find an animated version. You might find a manga version kicking around somewhere. But he's only like about four or five books in. And I heard that he, there are, the characters are only on like floor 15 or something like that. There's a hundred floors. Yeah. That was um, another thing I think people have into with uh, the, the level jumps. Yeah. That was it, well, it went from like level three to level 27 in, in no time. Yeah. Yeah. He's uh, kind of gone the exact opposite way with the new, with the new version. Uh, but mm, whatever. Um, so are you a one punch man fan? Mm. I'm not. I haven't. <clears throat> I'm All right, sorry. that's it. Get I'm off sorry. the show. <laughs> Matt, she's expelled from the club. Get rid of her. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, no, no, I, you're not. I, that's... Like, mm-hmm. I, I haven't watched a lot of like the really big ones. So like Naruto or One Punch Man, or um, what was it? JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. And unfortunately. <clears throat> You're going to really hate me in a second, because everybody does when I say this. I haven't watched Full Metal Alchemist. I actually just started watching that, so... I, I, it took I'm me a little while, there. too. Oh, FMA, well, yeah, and this is where you think get weird, actually. The general recommendation of Full Metal Alchemist, because there's two series, right? And the yeah. first one was done before this comic was done, and the second one's done after. And yeah, I've heard that... I've heard generally the way you do it is you watch the first half of the first one because it's actually slightly better done in terms of characterization and such. And then you watch, then you skip to the second half of the second version to, to get the proper ending. That's how I've heard you is the, is the best way to watch. The second one's 
the first half is good, but apparently the characterization is a little better, like animation wise and everything in the, the first try they did. Yeah. Um, or you can just read the manga, which is what I did. And then the manga is amazing. It really is. Um, no, I don't hate you for that one. Thon hates <laughs> you for not watching Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, but uh, mm. no, actually the one that you haven't mentioned, oddly enough, is the one that I might not like you for, which is how do you feel about one piece? <laughs> <laughs> I'm really sorry. <laughs> that's what I. That's what I. I thought that was going there. Okay, actually, you probably looked at it and said, "Oh my God, it's too long," and just stayed away from it, right? Probably. I don't even remember. I. I know I've seen like, uh, people have talked to me about them, and if I don't particularly like the animation style, mm. or um, or if I find it too long, I just I'll skip over it. Oh come on! One Piece only has like 800 episodes. Oh, only. <laughs> I, I, um, Death update? Note was like Death Note was super long for me too. Really? <laughs> then yeah. One Piece is way too long for you. But I mean, I could probably do. I'm really good at binging shows. It's just when it's not divided up because Death Note was like one season but 37 episodes, and that was just mm-hmm. way too much. Yeah, and you can really stop the Death Notes at I think it's like about 24, 25. You can just stop it there, maybe 26, and just go. Yeah. You. You know what I'm talking about if you watch Death Note. Oh yeah, um, it was so. It, I don't. I think they changed the plot like twice. Yeah, <laughs> I well, was so confused. It, it it they kind of do like actually the best version of Death Note is actually they did a couple live action movies. I'm not talking about the Netflix one. The Japanese okay. actually got a ace director whose name is suddenly. Oh my god, I can't believe I'm forgetting his name. Um, but anyway, they got a really great director to actually do two live-action Japanese movies. They basically condense the story down to two movies. And it has oh, a yeah? slightly different ending than... It has what really should be the ending of the story. Like, that's still my favorite version. I saw them first, but I've read the comic. I've seen the TV show. No, the movies are actually probably one of the best versions. They really are. If you if you get the chance, uh, find them. you can find them subtitled, kicking around. Before Netflix had the... Netflix actually had them for a while until they made their own American version, and then that disappeared. We're not going to talk about that. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the less said, the better. But no, net. Um, yeah, Death Note. The two live-action Japanese movies are actually pretty good, and they have a good ending, and they're actually well set up, and they're well paced. Hmm. Um, the the only thing that's a little wonky is like the CGI on Rook is a little odd. But yeah, if you can get used to it, it's okay. You have to understand it was done on it wasn't exactly done on like a Avengers Infinity War budget or anything like that. It was done yeah. on yeah. You know, it's it's a small Japanese budget they're doing it on. That's yeah, I didn't know I'm I'm really surprised when I see that they make like live action versions of animes that I've watched. Mm. Like I um I have friends from Japan and so when I bring up an anime I'm watching, they're like, Oh, I watched that movie and I'm like, There's a movie and live action movies and i watch them and i'm like actually they're really good why can't hollywood be like this uh i guess some of them are good some of them are not so good it it, it really it, they're kind of hit and miss the the death note one's not bad but then you get some other ones um they did a, they did a death uh devil man one a few years ago that wasn't very good there's a i there was a bleach one that they just did i didn't like that one very much but maybe you did i don't know um and then there's also a uh there was a jojo's one, bizarre adventure one that they just did that one's okay it's actually not bad um that if you're if you're curious about jojo's that might be a better introduction to it 
actually. Um, the diamond, yeah. diamond is unbreakable arc is okay. That's one thing about JoJo's, I will say, because since Don loves JoJo's, I'll mention this. <laughs> JoJo's is a very interesting series because every arc is a completely different generation of characters. So it's oh. and and it, everything changes with every generation. Like it's going through. It, it's actually not about one group of characters doing the same thing. Every, yeah, every single arc or season of the TV show now that they're animating it is literally a completely different cast and completely different situation. Hmm. And so, it's still like all the same, but it's all the same like similar plot, right? The plots are similar because it's still a battle manga, like at, at heart. Yeah. So what's happening is is that the main characters all have superpowers that are called stands that are basically kind of like this spirit self that they all have that they can manifest in different ways depending on the character. Like um, the main character, uh, each each JoJo, because each char- main character is named JoJo, but it's a different version of, it's a different member of the same bloodline. And they all have, like, they all yeah. have the last same last name but they have a different first name but it always different they have different last names too in some cases yes especially when you get to uh giorno giovanni which is the half japanese son of one of the characters um Mm. who's like the fifth jojo in the series but anyway which which takes complete takes place in italy not japan at all do, anyway. do you uh, do you guys realize how how incredibly odd this sounds to someone who hasn't watched this show? Yeah, it's, well, you it's guys, they're like... all named JoJo, and they all <laughs> go on adventures. Dude, I'm fitting over here not knowing anything you're talking about. <laughs> my my knowledge of anime is Yu-Gi-Oh. So, oh wow. No, right. well, okay, well that there we go. No, um, <laughs> it, there's, yeah, it's. It's just about these characters that each of them has uh, kind of like this spirit self that they can use that has superpowers. In other words, the character can kind of detach their spirit for a very short distance usually and like do stuff with it. And each of them like for one, the one character can um, – each JoJo is a little bit different what they can do. It's hard. It's really hard to explain. Yeah, yeah. It re- you kind of have all- to live it. Like it, it, astral projection sort of thing? Or kind like- of, yeah. Kind, think of it as limited astral projection. Okay. Yeah, pick- Picture if you were a superhero and instead of changing into your superhero costume, when you become a superhero, that superhero identity kind of jumps out of you and acts on its own. Oh, okay. Yeah, so. that's a good way of thinking. Yeah, imagine if Peter Parker, if Spider-Man jumped out of Peter Parker as kind of like an astral form that can affect the physical world and like punch people and stuff. And then when it wasn't needed, <laughs> jumped back into Peter Parker again. Yeah, you, you kind of have to see it. <laughs> there's a reason it's called jojo's bizarre adventure yeah, yeah i guess so it lives, up, it lives up to its name um it totally lives up to its name but um now i was gonna say that rob has kind of accidentally brought something interesting up that happens occasionally because <laughs> i'm gonna ask did you guys notice how whenever you guys mentioned something how excited rob got just a bit yeah, because the reason is now that because this is something you got from you guys are like a half or a third of our age, like we're super old. Mm. And the reason the reason us old guys always get excited when somebody mentions something we like is is because, again, like you were you were saying at the beginning about founding the club uh, when we were like your age, if you went on about this sort of thing, people would beat you up in the bathroom. 
like it was considered really really so that's why when you meet somebody who's who's a fan of things it's it's this weird kind of like you found a long lost relative mm. <laughs> and, and, and i was wondering if for you guys is it still that way like do people find it odd that you get into stuff like this or is everybody kind of just cool with it or how does that work anymore mm. i think for the most part people don't care like mm. people who and when i say they don't care like i find that a lot of people who like the same stuff as like geeky nerdy things we just kind of stick together and everyone else just kind of like sort of ignores us Okay. Like, oh, they're over there doing their own thing, and we just kind of, like, have our space to be do whatever we want. Mm. There's not well, a lot of, like, people don't call you out or, like, tease you or make fun of you for, like, liking video games or something. Like, I mean, friends will do it, like, jokingly, but most right. of the time people mind their own business. Mm. Yeah, which is pretty great, actually, considering... <laughs> You know, nowadays people are just all about sports and and getting in buff and doing drugs and whatever's c- considered cool nowadays. Yeah, mm-hmm. nowadays that was considered cool when we were in school. Trust me. Mm. <laughs> yeah, our club is pretty open, but we we don't talk about sports. It's not allowed. <laughs> what about nerdy sports like Quidditch? That's okay. <laughs> and there's also esports now, of course. Hmm. Oh, it's funny, actually. I haven't watched an eSport in forever, which is funny because I'm currently subscribed in, have the notifications on for the League of Legends one. I keep getting rings, like, every day. Huh. Did you drop nah. out of it for a reason? Um, I wasn't in the eSports myself. I'm more just a watcher of it. Uh-huh. Because, are, well, I've worked on the better stuff. What? What are e- I feel like I might know it if you explain it to me, but I'm bad. I'm professional bad video games, essentially. Oh no! Okay, I do know what that is. Yeah, we're okay. I'm not like play. totally lost. Know what I'm talking about? Just go search up League of Legends esports. That's the perfect definition right there. <laughs> and they so build... sorry, sorry, Dunko. Oh no, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say they um and they fill the arenas in Toronto with uh you know with League of Legends players and stuff like that. They actually have tournaments at the stadiums in Toronto now. Oh, really? Yeah, it's gotten that big, and they're they're viewed by people all over the world as they're as they're going on. That's and they can make huge amounts of money playing this stuff. Mm. Wow. Mm. Yeah, that is completely true. Yeah, esports are actually a big thing. I've known a couple of my students who were esports players and such, and so yeah, yeah, they, it's pretty big. I mean, again, it, among the gamers, unfortunately, you know, my gaming days are long done, but uh, I just don't have time. But you know that, but esports have, have gotten huge, and uh, they're just they just grow and grow, which I think is just a it's a generational thing, right? I mean, most of your generation does play video games in one form or another. Yeah. Hmm. And so to you guys, it's perfectly normal. I mean, video games might even become the new sports in a weird way. Yeah, I mean, like we were, like I mentioned earlier. But surprisingly, I'm noticing a lot more people who are moving to video games as well. Like nowadays, I'm seeing people not talking so much about that, but they're just talking about you know, games and specifically like esports games. Mm-hmm. So that's the perfect representation, in my opinion. 
Mm. Well, that's an it's also a North American thing. As soon as something actually makes money, North Americans <laughs> are totally okay with it. Um, <laughs> um, I can give you a beautiful example actually from our from Don and when Don and I were your age. Um, back in those days, comic book collecting actually came into its own in the 1980s. Before then, there wasn't really comic book collectors. I mean, they were really odd and it was you know considered something that only really strange people did. Um, comic books were, in fact, they weren't even sold in comic shops until I think the late seventies, early eighties, basically. Yeah. And so anyway, so it was a super ultra geeky habit. If you were into like comic books uh, in the early eighties anyway, and then suddenly there were all these reports about how old comic books are worth money. And I remember, I was thinking I was in grade 11, I think it was. And suddenly everybody was into comic books. Like comic mm-hmm. books were cool and being a comic book collector was something that you did. It was awesome. And, but if you mention it to people, it's like, yeah, I heard comics are worth a lot of money. That's, that's <laughs> what they, t- that's what they tell you. Yeah. Again, soon as something's worth money, North Americans are way a okay with it. If it doesn't oh, make yeah. money, it's a loser sport. Mm. Mm. Um, so that's again, it's a weird, interesting facet of our culture, which is again, different than Japan where they actually take value in arts Europeans will do that too. They'll yeah. see art, they'll see value in things that are not worth money but are beneficial in other ways. Mm. Yeah, well, that's capitalism for you. So, yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. I think because our North American brand is more consumerism than strictly just capitalism, and that's what it is. Is we like to assign a mater- like a like a monetary value to something, and then that's what makes it real. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. Which That's why I have so many ads on YouTube now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> God. Yeah. Well, I mean, in fairness, YouTube, you know, serves up billions of hours of video every day to the planet, and they have to make money somehow. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Um, so I don't begrudge them a few ads here and there, but but actually, I want to ask you guys. Sorry. So if everyone now, and if it's very common to play video games and I mean, people, you know, Marvel movies are the thing. Everyone goes, almost everyone goes and sees Marvel movies and such. What makes you guys as, you know, nerds or geeks different than the people around you? I mean, if everyone's into games to some degree and and at least movies, if not superhero characters and such, what makes you guys different? You know, actually, um, that's a really good question. <laughs> I believe it's mainly just how we handle it. I mean, some people, yeah, like, they play video games and they read comics, yeah, but they tend to hang out on their own and they don't really do it with a crazy amount of people. But we're with an entire club of people. Oh, we're all talking about the same stuff and we're all just, like, going all out on this, like, oh, my God, I can't... ...did this in the latest episode or whatever. Like, we try to uh, just be ourselves in the middle of, of school, which is... I think, anyway, it's completely different from I'm a normal just nerd. I think um, something Mr. Welch always says, he says that everyone has their own nerd. Mm. And I think that's true. Everybody has something nerdy that they like. And it's just, we we just kind of own up to it more, I guess. And right. Kind of what I think, actually, when I, I think think about us being co-presidents is that uh, she handles half of the nerd community and I handle another half. Like, I'm terrible with anime, but she's absolutely fantastic with it. She's bad Mm -hmm. at Star Wars. I'm really good with it. (laughs) That's true, yeah. 
Right. I noticed neither of you have mentioned gaming in the sense of like role playing games and such. Are either of you like into D and D or anything like that? Oh my oh god! My <laughs> Don't get me started on D and D. I have a dedicated Discord server, or on both the DNA Discord and its own. Huh. I must have got into about a year ago. Like mm-hmm. I mentioned, all that we did a DNA one not too long ago. Right. But yes. I've been. I got into it about a year ago after Christmas, after I got the starter set. And I had no idea. I went into the first session, and, and just the first thing I did was like, wait, I'm going to tame a wolf. Just because I could. <laughs> I was under the impression that I could just do whatever I want. I have modules. Like, we were in the middle of Osman the Fandelver, or however you pronounce the name. And I didn't even know that was a thing, and I was a starter set. Which is even weirder. <laughs> and I just mm-hmm. completely ignored that and just wanted to do what I wanted to do because that's what I thought of it. But nowadays, is I'm just always thinking about the module and how I can best progress it because mm-hmm. I'm playing multiple different ones. Like we beat Lost My Fandelver a couple months ago and we just beat Horde of the Dragon Queen. I don't know how we did. The DM buffed the <laughs> dragon. Mm hmm. Okay. And we're currently doing Tomb of Annihilation, and we're going to be starting Princess of the Apocalypse. <laughs> My gosh, this is all gibberish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really sorry. And I imagine, to me, it was. To me, it was. It's true. But yeah. my point is that uh, I started it a year ago not knowing anything here. So, oh, in my opinion, role-playing games are some of the greatest things in the nerd culture. Because yeah. it just teaches you so much. And when we had our we had our D and D night, and I had never I didn't even know what D and D was, but like mm-hmm. I think that's another great thing about this club that everybody just really it gets exposed to like different kinds of nerdy mm-hmm. things. And so for me, I started making a character, and I was like, I got really into it. I was like, I never thought I'd be into Dungeons and Dragons, but actually, it was super interesting. Mm-hmm. I loved it, and I, I haven't finished my character yet, but I'm definitely gonna play the next time we have a have our D and D night. Yeah, and um. That D&D night was, was not just filled with if, um, people that knew what they were doing, like the DMs and myself, but it was mostly people who didn't know, and this led to some funny moments, and for sure, but it also led to some revelations about how people will play the game. Oh, yeah. Like, for example, we had this one table, my, the table I was playing at, my table completely fine. Like We ran through the entire campaign, literally, I was playing a paladin, just going nuts on everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought, okay, this is a pretty simple and nice, friendly campaign. And then I asked the DMs how they were doing. One of the DMs' tables died in the first session. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and another one was completely unconscious, about to die. <laughs> we ran out of time, though. <laughs> yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Kind of okay, gave me the revelation of, wow. <laughs> I, I t- obviously you were having a great time, and that's the important part. Yeah, and I won't go on very much, but I'm just trying to say that uh, this has given me some great love revelations. I love D and D so much. That's awesome. We couldn't tell. Yeah, we well, we can totally tell. Yes, we can definitely tell. <laughs> there's there's nothing wrong with being a D and D addict. <laughs> <laughs> I was there from so the talk- beginning, man. You you're not that old. D and D actually starts around the time we're born. Yeah, remember I started in seventy eight. 
Yeah, but first edition D and D is like seventy three, isn't it? It's seventy four. Okay, seventy four. Yeah. Fine. I started so, with the blue book. Oh. <laughs> okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Fine. You can you 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 can be go there if you want. Um, <laughs> now that's some old school nerding right there. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's true. And back in those days, D&D was literally one of the only games. There, It took yeah. a while for other games to appear. Um, and and then, of course, D&D was the most evil thing on the planet, which you guys yeah, should... Yeah, we talked about that. <laughs> yeah. I honestly hate those conversations because it's currently the thing that keeps me going in life. <laughs> no, don't worry. Don't worry. D&D involves selling your soul to the devil, but he gives you a good bargain. Don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> hey, I put... Yeah. Have you ever seen the deal. Dark Dungeon? Oh. oh. Nope, not at all. You've never seen the Dark Dungeons pamphlet? No, I haven't yet. I'm mostly <laughs> focusing in campaigns. Okay. Oh no, this this was one of the uh back in the day when people were protesting, it was one of those little like comic book things that they'd hang out warning you about the dangers of it. We'll have to put a link to it in the show. Oh it's, my gosh. It's <laughs> yeah. it's 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 pretty funny. Actually. It is pretty funny. It is pretty funny. Yes, it's, absolutely. Especially yeah, before, if... Oh, oh sorry. sorry. Oh, I was just saying, um, yeah, before we did our first D&D night, we got a whole lecture about this because Mr. Wiltshire was like, you guys need to know that if we do a D&D night, some people are not going to be here for it, and here's why. And, of course, as a teacher, he, <laughs> he had to give us this whole explanation, and he went really into, you know, he's like, you know, people think it's really demonic. And, and it sort of is, but it's not not completely. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. No, just right. ignore the demons. Yeah, exactly. You just kill the demons. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, well, that's the thing. Your your heroic character is killing the bad guys. That's yes, there's demons, but they're the bad guys. Well, or at least they used to be. Now there's tieflings. So technically, they can be the good guys too. Yeah. Or you can be the bad guy killing the bad guy, like I do. True. You. I you started can do by. That. <laughs> I started my first session with that character trying to tame a dragon, so... Oops. <laughs> yeah, oops. What, I live, don't worry. What level were your characters that you were playing this? One. Oh man, somebody hated you. <laughs> so, I got in that... Then I failed again, so, you know. Mm. And then our monk completely obliterated the dragon with a water skin. But oh, that's wow. a whole different story. <laughs> I see. Okay. Anyway, all right. So let's get the, let's get this interview back on track. So, yeah. um, okay. So it sounds like then that uh, you guys have a have a wide variety of people with a wide variety of interests. Are are there any members of your club that have really like interests that even go beyond where you know the, where most club members are? Like, are there any ones that are really obscure stuff? Really obscure stuff. Huh. Hold on. I'm gonna bring up the Discord. <laughs> um i don't know wait really i don't think so a lot of us like very well at least like three people all like at least one of the things that we all like i that i know of at least but mm-hmm. uh, during our first meeting i did a thing uh, i asked everyone to write down things that they were interested in you know for reference that we talk about them in the club and everything we got was basically like at least a few people all liked it so i can't think mm-hmm. of Besides any specific, like specific video games that people think right, are pretty obscure. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, I got one. Musicals. Oh, which one? Musicals are not oh. obscure. 
I don't know. I would call it that. You don't see a lot of conversation on that uh, server, do you? Like, oh. I would consider it obscure because we're. I mean, it's competing with video games and comic books. So I'm just saying that that is a little unusual. That is a little unusual. Okay. Yeah, um, we just uh, we have a lot of kids who are geeky also like musicals for some reason. It seems to be a trend. Huh. But uh, yeah, the uh, musicals and theater and stuff is more like the drama clubs area. Oh yeah, yeah, right. Now, are you guys the only geeky stuff club at your school, or is there like an anime club or something, or other groups? No, it's just us. Yeah, I believe so. I, we had the gaming club last year, and the gaming club was basically just a bunch of us in the English room playing Mario Smash Bros. on the Wii. Um, <laughs> okay. uh, well, it was the French room. Oh, my bad. Excuse me. <laughs> I ran that. Oh. Um. <laughs> We had it had to close it down though because the teacher left and they donated the Wii U that we were using to the learning center, which is uh, a great cause. Still. However, we're allowed to borrow it for meetings. That was what we did for our end of the year party last year. We got mm-hmm. everybody to bring in like um, Wii remotes and their DSIs and stuff, and we all just played a big game in Smash Bros. Mm-hmm. <laughs> our DSI ain't gonna work in your 3DS. Sorry. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> mm. So, actually, do you guys play, like, board games at all? I know in our neck of the woods, board game clubs are actually very popular. Hmm. We, we don't. But, actually, I was ta- I was trying to talk to Mr. Wilcher about um, having, like, a tabletop game night, which would include hmm. some board games. It, Mr. Wilcher has, like, a, a, lar- a very, very large library of a bunch of, like, games and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Mr. Ward said he, he might have the largest collection in our region. That wouldn't surprise me. I, I was very surprised. I didn't know that. But um yeah, he's he's real he's totally willing to like bring some in and like let us play them. So do you guys have any suggestions of like board games we could look into for the club? Well, the one everybody loves to pieces is Settlers of Catan. Yeah. That's mm. that's that's it's so popular that you find that at normal bookstores and everything yeah. everywhere. So so that's a super popular one. Um I'm not a big board game person, but I'm trying to think what what other one, good ones are there out there. Yeah, there's there's a few. My thing is more tabletop board games than straight up board games. So yeah, I'm afraid I'm not the I'm not the uh, board game expert. Um, but I I don't know about all I know is is that uh, yeah we've even got uh, board game cafes popping up. We've got one here in mm-hmm. London where I'm from, and uh, yeah, called the Cardboard Cafe, and they have like a wall with like you know, a couple hundred board games on it. And you basically just show up with your friends and you pay like a five buck entry fee for, and you just grab a game and you buy some coffee or whatever. And you sit there and you play for hours. Hmm. Wow. And uh, there's a bunch of them in Toronto like that too. They're just copying yeah. stuff that's happening in, in many different places. I mean, actually, how close are you guys to Halifax? Um, 20 minutes like drive. 20 minutes drive, yeah. Okay. So you guys are like, are is your are you considered a suburb of Halifax or are you your own like place? Um, pretty sure we're in the place. HRFB, I believe. I'd have to double check, but I, I I think we're our own we're our own place. Oh, okay, I, I do think. So is Millwood the name of your town, or what? What, what exactly is Part Millwood? Of town. Millwood is our our school name, right? Um, because we're on Millwood Drive. <laughs> right. Okay, that makes we, sense. Our town is Sackville or Lower Sackville, I guess. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and it's 
I do believe it is separate from Halifax. Right. Okay. Yeah, I'd, I'd go up Millville too instead of Lower Sackville. That just doesn't <laughs> sound right. <laughs> that makes me wonder: Is there an Upper Sackville too? Yes, and a Middle Sackville. And a Middle Sackville. Yeah. Wow, people were not very original with their names, were they? Apparently um, not. <laughs> <laughs> they just kind of read out their names at a certain point. Okay. Huh. Yeah, it's a nice little town, actually. The middle area is normally, and lower is normally residential. Upper Sackville is where you find all the stores and that. Right. Yeah. Okay. I think the the closest, the only, like, nerdy thing we have is, like, our Cape and Cowles store. Oh, yeah, Cape and Cowles. That's a great store. It's a comic book, like, nerdy store. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe um, it's either Welcher Ward, maybe even both that are actually friends with the guy who runs the place. Yeah. Hmm. Probably. Okay. Um, so, so why don't we flip this around then, since we're approaching the hour mark on this. Why don't we, because I believe you guys had some questions you want to ask us as well. So let's turn the tables and put you guys in charge. For sure. I have some questions that I wrote down. Okay. Let's try to be yeah. organized. Um, yeah. Do you guys ever plan any public events? And if you do, do you have any advice or suggestions for us for ours? Hmm. That's an interesting question. The answer is no, not really, um, because the two of us actually were uh, old friends, but we live in different cities. And Mm. so we don't, which are about two hours apart uh, by car. And so we don't usually get together very often. And in fact, I have not physically seen Don, even though he's one of my oldest friends, in over a decade. Mm. Mm. Um, So when I say not very often, I mean pretty much never. There's various reasons for that but we have well, that's not in that's not part of the show um yeah. um he's pretty scary and I, so I, <laughs> I still look like tor johnson <laughs> there is that and so, they have no idea who that is don so there's, there's, nobody does nobody does exactly. <laughs> um but anyway so the answer is short answer is no um because we live in separate cities and we also um i don't know if we have that big an audience really i mean our Average episode gets a couple hundred listens, so we we do have an audience, but it's scattered literally all over the planet. Yeah. So we're we're not one of those podcasts that's really big enough to actually qualify to do a an event, really. Yeah. Although Rob, Rob has done different kind of nerdy events and run different kind of like nerdly things. Oh, oh I have. I've given presentations at like uh, local conventions and things like that before, but not part of uh, the Department of Nerdly Affairs. That's me being a geek and a, and a college teacher. <laughs> ah. Um, that's not that's that's a little bit separate. Don is uh, busy doing other things, so he doesn't and, usually get involved. And a misanthrope. And a misanthrope. There's that too. <laughs> um, so. So I guess my only, my general advice about running things is um, find people who know more than you do and ask them. Unfortunately, that's just not us. <laughs> All right. Well, I got a question now. I think Mr. Ward might be able to help you with that, though. Mm. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Um, I have a question. Sure, go. What got you guys into podcasting in the first place? Um, I can answer that, and hmm. on my side anyway. Um, what happened is is that I was living in Taiwan, where I lived in a couple of years. It's a uh, island country off the coast of China, um, and there are now Chinese missiles targeting my house right now because I said that. But <laughs> that's an entirely different issue. Um, so, 
If anyone's wondering, look up Taiwan on Wikipedia and you understand why I said that. Anyway, the point is, is that um, I was living in Taiwan and uh, I got an iPod because my job was going around to different companies in Taiwan and uh, helping their workers study English. I basically would go to one company for an hour or two, help anyone from presidents to minor junior mailroom people help study English, whoever they want to pay me to, whoever. And then I would go on to the next company and do the same thing. But there were usually like an hour gap in between because travel time and breaks, etc. And so I got my first iPod and I was looking for something that, that I didn't have to pay for on iTunes. And I discovered these podcast things. And this is back, by the way, in 2006. Okay, so podcasting is just really starting to take off at this point. And so I start listening to them. And in fact, actually, one of the very first podcasts I listened to was uh, Mr. Ward's show, The Sonic Society. Oh, uh, oh really? And uh, it would be a number. It would be a couple of years, but actually not that many years. But a, li- a little while later, that Jack and I would actually become friends. But that's actually how he. That's how Mr. Ward and I uh, became friends with each other. Is through. I was going to uh, ask that. Yeah. Through me being a, a fan of his show. Uh, oh, that's for, really cool. Yeah. And back and forth. And in fact, he inspired me to get into podcasting. I saw. I thought, if Mr. Ward can do it, I can do it, too. <laughs> um, uh, really in the small world. Yeah, hmm. he, he had a lot more resources to go with because he was, of course, playing other people's stuff. If you've ever listened to the Sonic Society, he you know, goes around to different groups that are producing audio drama and plays them on his show. And But I thought, you yeah. know. Oh, I'd like to try this audio drama thing because I was listening to a lot of old radio plays and such. And so I created my own first podcast, which is called Kung Fu Action Theater, which was me working with different actors from all over the Internet um, that I found through websites. And we were recording audio dramas together and making audio drama. And we did about almost 50 episodes of it over a period of five years. Wow. And so that was my first experience with pod. But the, the long story short is, yeah, I got an iPod. I was looking for free stuff because I'm cheap. <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's my Scottish background showing off. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so, Don, how did you get into podcasting? Or did mm-hmm. I drag you into it? Yeah, that's yeah, what it was, I thought. Pe- people don't realize that our show, because, like, Rob has lived all over the planet and stuff. And the show is basically, we used to have these long phone calls every couple of weeks, and that's what the show is. It's more or less those phone calls that we record, and sometimes somebody else is involved. Yeah, exactly. We'd have these long, detailed discussions about, well, whatever topic was interesting us. And Mm -hmm. we've been doing that since we were in university together in the early 90s. Mm -hmm. And so we eventually decided, you know, why don't we just make this, why don't we record? Why don't we record this and let other people actually hear what we're talking about so they can think we're completely nuts? And, um, and I'm so that's saying what I got did. papers. I, well, well, that's true. I know. Um, Life sets now. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Actually, you, you can mount them on your wall. Um, <laughs> and so we decided to do that. Actually, the hardest part of starting a podcast with Don, actually, because I've been wanting to do one for years, and he actually approached me and said, do you want to do this? And I said, okay, sure. And, but the hardest part was actually coming up with a name for the show. It took us two months to come up that. with a name for the show. That was my next question, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, mine too. Yeah, yep. Nope, two months. We went through easily about 500 different names for the show. Yeah. So yeah. why did you pick that one? Because um, nobody else did. <laughs> it's like, well, it, it was the only thing that somebody else hadn't already like taken a permutation of. I think it's rather genius. 
Um, well, actually, Don came up with it in the end. I'll give Don the credit. Actually, we were for a while there. We came really close to going with um, the Church of the Nerdly Arts. Mm-hmm. That was actually the one we were going to kind of go for for a little bit. And then the truth is what swung me is, is that Don actually said, OK, Department of Nerdly Affairs, DNA. And I believe he was the one who also came up with the idea of our website would be called ObeyTheDNA.com. And the moment I heard Obey the DNA, I thought, oh, my God, that's it. You know, that's our <laughs> that's our show name. That's great. What were some of the reject names? Well, the part, the Church of the Nerdly Arts. And yes. in fact, we were that was our other favorite because we were going to go with uh, and we we're going to go with a religious theme where we we're going to be like we were going to be the popes and mm-hmm. uh, we were going to go go with uh, the people would be bishops and we would actually have like, yeah, the whole the whole Catholic religious thing because mm-hmm. it's completely sacrilegious. So why not? Um, <laughs> And um, uh, we're both bad Christians. Well, at least I am anyway. I don't know about Don. Um, <laughs> and, um, and so I would be, uh, so I don't remember. We, yeah, there's a file kicking around with like tons and tons of these names. I don't, do you remember any of the other ones, Don? Um, not exactly, simply because I'd make a list and he'd make a list and then we'd get together and be like, okay, let's look this up and just, Every one of them, any anything even remotely entertainment related, yeah. somebody already had. It was so yeah. weird. Yeah, because right. everybody and their brother's sister and their brother's sister's cousin's dog has started a podcast within the last couple of years. <laughs> um, you, heck, you, I'm surprised you guys haven't done podcasting yet. But 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 we actually have a we have a joke on this show, which is that everybody we interview usually has a podcast of their own within six months. Mm. So we'll see uh, if you that- guys live up to it. Oh, That's nice. actually one of the things that I keep mentioning either at DNA or at my D&D meeting. Mm-hmm. It's so funny, some of our stuff. We feel like it would, it would work really well. Matt, we should definitely start a podcast. We could be co-hosts. <laughs> there you go. It'd be fantastic. <laughs> we need to come up with a name, though. I bet you it would take us less than two months to come up with a name. Well, the trick um, again is finding one that's not taken. Yeah. That's very... Yeah. yeah. When we were... Our club went by Geeks and Nerds for the longest time, but after we wanted to get it like officialized, like we wanted to get social media accounts, Geeks mm-hmm. and Nerds is already a thing in multiple places. Oh, yes, it is. Um, yeah, we yeah we went through many Geek and Nerd you know names, and yeah. again, yeah, they're all taken. And and we went through a couple different languages too, because I think we had names in uh in Japanese and French that somebody had already taken. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's we we tried all these different combinations, and you just keep putting them into Google, and they just keep coming up with shows. It's astounding, and the problem is that a lot of them are ones that people have only done. See, podcasting is one of those things that seems really easy until you do it, and it's not that hard. But there's definitely uh, it, it's only fun for a couple episodes, and then it becomes work, mm-hmm. and. At least if you're going to put any effort into it, it's the editing and everything else that kind of gets you. Um, so as an end result, a lot of people, they podcast for two or three episodes and then they quit. But the problem is someone still used the name. Yeah. So we can't really lay claim to it. And so there's all these name shows that have only like, yeah, got a couple episodes to their name, but we still can't use it. They, they've kind of like locked it for the time being. So, wow. Yeah. Did but, you, did you listen to any of the other ones? Were they good? Uh, I listened to a couple of them. 
some of them were okay. I mean, some mm-hmm. of, some of them were fine. I mean, there are some uh, the biggest nerd podcast besides the Nerdist, of course, itself is. There's one called The Sword and Laser. That one's pretty mm-hmm. good. If you ever, if you ever the, again, uh, these are my tastes though, because I'm mostly listening to uh, ones that are more like science fiction literature. Well, not literature, science fiction novels and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them are pretty good. You can find a lot of good ones if you go on iTunes or one of the podcast sites. You can usually find a lot of the top uh, nerdly ones are a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just trying to think of today. I actually, this will sound, this is going to sound terrible, but I actually don't listen to a lot of podcasts at the moment. I'm mm-hmm. actually, I, I had my podcast you know phase where I listened to like 20 hours of podcasts like <laughs> a week at one point, but I've kind of pared back since then, since I generally listen while I'm walking my dogs, which being beagles require two walks a day, so that's still a fair amount of time. But I, but I like listen to audiobooks as well. Mm-hmm. And and um, yeah, if you want to actually get into uh, anything else, I'd recommend audiobooks. Audiobooks are fantastic because you yeah. can listen to them almost anywhere and take them with you. And yeah, they're fantastic. I just love them. My problem with audiobooks is I tend to zone out, which is why also I can't do a lot of podcasts. Ah, okay. So, yeah, I prefer like reading like novels. No problem there. Yeah, very old school. Yeah, some people can't <laughs> do the audio thing. Some people, it just doesn't work for them. Other people, it does. But again, you know, when you're walking the dog or something like that, you don't really have much of a choice in the matter. It's like, well, I can listen to music or I can listen to audio of some kind. That's true. Yeah, I need, normally when I'm watching something, I can't get into podcasts because I need visuals. Like, I need to see stuff happening. Hmm. Right. And That's another question I have for you guys, actually. gotten into critical role. Um, have you guys ever considered going onto a different platform where you could give visuals and maybe do you think that would expand your audience a bit more? It probably would. We haven't discussed it too much. I've put some of our better episodes up on YouTube. Like we actually do have a YouTube channel. Yeah, I was um, on there the other day. Yeah, and I but I only tossed on a few of what I consider our best, which are mostly interviews that we've done with some like really old school people that were involved with like doing uh, important stuff in Geekdom, which we've had a, and we've been fortunate enough to interview a few like uh, you know really knowledgeable people that are like way beyond our level, but they've decided to hang out with us. Um, and in fact, actually, this episode will probably air after uh, an interview we did with uh, Sam Panansky. Who is a uh, who runs one of the two uh, English light novel companies? Who's running a multi-million-dollar company? So mm-hmm. yeah, you're, we're talking to you guys after hanging out with a guy who runs a multi-million-dollar company in our last episode. So there you go. <laughs> um, wow, I feel small now. Yeah, <laughs> well, welcome to the, the century. <laughs> no, 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 actually, and no, but that's the thing, right? We're we're all equal in, in geekdom, so don't worry about mm-hmm. that. But my point is we've been fortunate enough to actually hang out with you know some some people who actually know stuff. Um, Penance, actually, listen to that episode. It's, um, it's, it's fascinating. He's lived in Japan for many, many years, and he actually was involved with the – well, there's no point in me saying this because the audience have already heard all this. They already know what Sam's doing because they mm-hmm. heard it last episode. But just anyway, but he's involved – he's been involved with the anime translation, basically doing like a simulcast where they – they air it in Japan, and they 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 were a subversion in English at the same time. He was one of the original guys who helped do that and set that up. And uh, so he's been involved. So he's he knows all the studio guys and everything like that, which is pretty amazing talking to him. But anyway, listen to the episode. Regardless, and I've gotten way off track. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, just, visuals. Oh, and you just invented something. I what did I invent? 
you vent, vented the prequel version of an ad because you're doing an ad for something that hasn't happened yet but will have happened by the time the ad comes out. That's true. <laughs> I'm promoting an episode that, yeah, that hasn't aired yet but will by the time the people hear this. So I don't know what that is, but anyway, it's a post-cognition ad. I, I don't know. Um <laughs> Here, the short version is this. I'd like to, like, even maybe take the DNA and put, I mean, neither Don or I, I think, wants to actually record this in video. But, I mean, I could yeah. do an annotated version with, like, videos on YouTube. But the problem is it's just a lot of work. Yeah, no, yeah. No, nobody wants to look at me, I'm telling you. <laughs> there, there's that too um so but mostly it's just it's a lot of work so i'd have to go and find uh clips or images of everything that we're talking about and display them on the screen like i even i did give it serious thought at one point but the truth is with my teaching and my other work and my writing and everything like that i just don't have time for it unfortunately oh yeah, yeah. yeah um like i said the one number one thing that nobody realizes about all this broadcasting stuff is it's work it, it really is that. I mean, there are some people who do podcasts where they just hang out and then they just dump it on uh, iTunes and the podcatchers. It's like, here's our MP3 video of me and my friends hanging out, including dogs barking and people bur burping and like all, you know, random noise and everything, all this other crap. And mm -hmm. it's like, no, that's not that's not something I want to give my audience. I want to give my audience at least a little bit edited, at least edited for clarity and everything instead. Yeah. Um some people do shows where they edit, you know, two or three hours of conversation down to like 20 minutes. There's that too. There's the other extreme. Um, whereas we just want to go with something that's like a natural kind of hangout. So people could hang out with us every two weeks, basically. Yeah. The, the images add a lot of extra work. Cause I was kind of uh, toying around with the idea of doing what would be uh kind of a shorter podcast. It would be, I'd pick cause role-playing games are my thing. And I have a disturbingly large collection and I was going to do highlights for some of the ones people hadn't had never heard of. And I was going to do visual. It would be like a couple of stock images and then intersperse with pictures pertinent to whatever was going on. But even that, that's just like a, a an amazing amount of extra work. Yeah. yeah. That, that's the sad truth of, uh, if, for example, just to give a specific example, just to finish this up. Uh, your typical episode of the Department of Nerdly Affairs is usually two hours of length. It takes me somewhere between four and five hours to edit it. Because mm. I have to listen to the whole thing, but I'm listening to it in a way where I'm actually, I'm also editing it. I'm saying, okay, what do I need to chop this out or this out? I'm constantly stopping and starting it and removing ums and ahs and things like that. And and so it's amazing how long it can take. And, and then, hmm? Go ahead. <laughs> and so that so that's so again sometimes it can get down to three it depends on the episode if we get someone who's really eloquent on I, there's actually not a lot of work for me but if it's just me and don hanging out or something sometimes that can require a lot of editing because neither of us is the most eloquent person in the world but we, we do our best yeah. matt Plus are you don't... taking notes for when we start our podcast <laughs> <laughs> um, no, they're, all, they're all pasted to my screen right now <laughs> the, the the thing you're gonna have to rock paper scissors for is who does the podcast editing Mm -hmm. Not it. And yeah, and, I probably should. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't forget the site Before. too, because oh yes, there's that too. Yeah, because it's yeah putting it up, and then it's another usually about another hour or so for links or four if Jack was on. But exactly. <laughs> yeah, I have a background in that stuff too. I oh, wow. spent 
I spent an entire semester just doing this kind of stuff, like learning how to edit a game. Mm. It wasn't a good game, but I mean, I made it. <laughs> right. Well, okay, so you, you've got a little background then. Uh, but yeah, you have to set up the website. You have to maintain it, which isn't a lot of work. I mean, it's basically just a blog. And you post it up, and then you've got a way to you put the podcast feed, you give it to the podcast sites, and they kind of distribute it around. So that that part's not that hard. And once the, they have the link, and they have a, they'll just constantly check to see if you have a new episode up. So that's not that hard. Um, and it's, it is a lot of fun. I mean, it's, it's worthwhile. I mean, this will be our probably 82nd episode, I'm thinking, probably. Um, yeah, and so, and we've been at this for at least a good solid is this our second year or our third, Don? I, I don't know. The days all sort of bleed together for yeah, me anymore. I think, is, I, think, I think we're three years now. I think this is our mm. third year doing this now. Because um, we do every two weeks. So we're doing give or take somewhere between like it, with a few breaks. So usually it ends up being about 22, 23 episodes a year. We do. And that's the other thing. If you guys want to do podcasting, you're going to have to think about what's your focus going to be. Um, we're kind of all over the place, but we have an advantage in the fact that we're old geeks who have been all over the place, literally, mm. and we have a wide variety of knowledge and a wide variety of interests. But that might also be one of the reasons why we, compared to some podcasts, we have a relatively small audience. The best ones usually seem to be a show where they're focused on one particular niche. Mm. I, you don't have to do it that way. But for example, you know, when it's about Pokemon or when it's about D&D or collectible card games or whatever. General audience shows are a little trickier to do sometimes. That's true. That might be easier if we uh, compressed it maybe like half an hour, 40 minutes. Because mm. yep. in, in a two-hour time period, you can talk about a lot of different things. Yep, that's yeah. very true. Mm. Uh, but then you have to plan it a lot more before or be willing to do a lot of editing to get it down. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Mm. Because you'll rarely actually only record for that length of time unless you really work hard to get it. actually takes more effort to get it down to 30 minutes than you'd think because the time passes very quickly. Yeah. Um, just the same as we've been recording for almost an hour and 20 minutes now. Yeah. Mm. Oh um, so, all right. So any other questions you guys have? Hmm. I did have another question. So um, how... Are you guys influenced by any of the younger generations? Like, I don't know how different it was when you guys were um, our age or whatever, but mm -hmm. um, like by what's popular now, how much are you guys and your podcast influenced by our generation and what we have that is popular? Hmm. Well, I can, I can say for myself, um, the things that I like, I like all permutations of them. So I like role-playing games. I play the super old ones from like the 70s and the 80s when it first started. I keep up with like new stuff because it's still interesting. Same thing for comics and movies and that. Uh, there's a lot of, like I, like I don't feel hinged in time. Part of that's because I come from a family that everybody in my family loves things like science fiction and monster movies and that. And growing up, my grandparents would be into this kind of stuff. My parents, my aunts, my uncles. So it's, it's, I'm always interested to see what's coming out. I don't always like it, but it's been like that forever. So I think that's probably, probably mm. as close as an answer as I can get. <laughs> um, and similar for me, although I'm a tiny bit different. Again, I 
you know, I, I keep, always keep my eye open for new and interesting things. Um, I'm always trying to look for, I like old stuff, and but I'm always also willing to look at new things as well and see, okay, well, what new permutations that people come out with of stuff, you know, what new takes on video games. I'm always looking for something new and interesting. Part of that is also because I, I teach media studies at my local college. Um, so I have to keep up with, as part of my job, I have to keep up with, well, what are the latest trends online and what's going on? And so I stumble across stuff that's like, oh, this isn't cool. And so I'll, you know, I'll go down that rabbit hole for a while if I have the time and look into it. The, you know, if I, I can't really say that there's a specific thing that like from your generation, for example, that I'm into. I mean, but I can't say because a lot of what you guys are into from this is game, my old guy perspective is stuff that has evolved during my lifetime. A lot of it, as Don said, really has its origins in like the 1980s, a lot of it. And it's just evolutions of that. Like video games started in the 1980s, uh, role playing games, board games, um, uh, comic books had a revolution in the 1980s as well. And uh, we're still working, comic books more, reflect more of the 1980s now than they do what came before that. So we were teenagers basically in the 1980s. And that was a formative period for the nerdly arts where a, lo a lot of what's popular now is still coming from. And there's another catch to that as well, which is the people who were teenagers, our generation in the 1980s, are the ones running all the big companies producing this stuff. See, this is why you guys are getting all the Marvel movies, because what you're getting is all the stuff that we dreamed of when we were your age. <laughs> and so Kevin Feige, for example, who's running Marvel Studios, he's our age. Like he's he, you know, he, he's in his late 40s, early 50s, somewhere around there. And he's basically making the movies and stuff that he that are based on the comic books that he loved when he was a teenager. And so thought of it that way. Yeah. And so, and by the way, we grew up, our movies and stuff were based on the stuff that were popular when the previous generation were, were teenagers as well. There's this weird echo effect that happens where the stuff that you're into when you're a teen, when you get into power, that's the stuff you think you, young people are kind of still into, or at least you think are cool. And so that's what you'll make. So the real question should have been, how are we influenced by older generations? Yes. That's part of it. They're kind yeah, of they're, reciprocal. It, yeah. it's, it is reciprocal. Exactly. It's, I, I mean, your generation takes stuff in different directions that ours didn't, uh, partly because of the technology, partly because, you see, back in our day, oh, my God, I just said it, but whatever. <laughs> um, back in our day. Um, anyway, but back when, back in the uh, our time, the equally bad, but whatever, um, the uh, publishing, in, remember, there was no internet. Internet doesn't come around. The, sorry, the World Wide Web doesn't come around until about 93, 93, 94. So when we're teenagers, there is no internet. And because of that, publishing is all, anything that's published is being published by a big company, which means they're acting as gatekeepers and they're only publishing what they think will sell. Or it's being published on a very small scale by what we call small presses, um, which is basically someone taking a huge financial risk. So yeah. this is why there's, for example, now anyone can publish a video game, a comic book, a novel, whatever, and you can put it out on the internet and theoretically find a home. Um, mm -hmm. You put on Amazon or whatever. Couldn't do that back in our day. Like that, you know, there were 
popular culture and common culture was limited to a very limited number of things. We had a limited number of TV channels. The movies that we got were, well, whatever they decided to give us. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, know, a couple blockbusters each year and a whole bunch of comedies and dramas because they're cheap, basically, is what movies were back then. And as an end result... um, our culture was much more limited in a way. It was more common. We all basically were into the same things because there was a limited number of things to be into. Okay. Because mm-hmm. the big companies could only produce so much. Now the internet is filled with a gazillion things and people trying different stuff and doing different things. And every, the internet is filled with a million corners of stuff that I've never heard of before. And I'm constantly finding stuff that's like, whoa, what the hell is that? And then it's like, this is awesome. And that's happening all the time. It's still permutations of stuff that usually started in my generation or the generation before us, but it's gone in completely new directions thanks to the internet. Hmm. Hmm. And, so, and um, mm-hmm. just a younger perspective on the topic. Um, mm-hmm. um, I find you talk about how how you, you grew up with the older stuff and, it's, and you tend to go and find some stuff nowadays. Right? Mm-hmm. Well, um, um, I tend to look at the new stuff, right? But I always find myself now, now and then and going and looking at some older stuff. Like, for example, mm-hmm. and I look at some older music, like I'm currently looking at done by hey, people from like the 1950s, He's as far back. Yeah. Whereas um, um, my main stuff, though, is obviously in the current day. Which I feel was a perfect contrast to what what you were saying about about this. Yep. Yeah, and there's there's no. Let me just say something. Done. There's an old saying, which is basically there are two kinds of fools. Um, There's one kind of fool who says uh, if it's new, it's better, and there's one other kind of fool who says if it's old, it's better. But they're both fools because the truth is there was good stuff before, and there's good stuff now, and there'll be good stuff in the future. Mm -hmm. You just got to find it. Wow, that's a great way to work on that. <laughs> I have never heard that, but I love it now. <laughs> and I like how you're talking about all the the older movies and stuff. My mm-hmm. my thing is we have a lot more money now in the industry, and we have a lot mm-hmm. more creativity going on, but we're getting a lot of reboots. Yep. For And, I mean, we, we went to go see The Predator uh, mm-hmm. in September or October. Wasn't actually a club event. I should point that out. Yeah, it wasn't a club event because we can't condone going to an R-rated movie. Right. So it, it definitely was not a club event. Um, <laughs> just but club members only, anyways. Um, mm. So, but yeah, and it was. We were talking about it after. So I, I hadn't seen any of the other Predator movies, mm-hmm. and I was just very confused the whole time. But we um, apparently. The, the um, it it was it was following the storyline. I don't know. I'm not sure exactly. I I got a whole lecture on it, but um, <laughs> yeah, it was just like a a new reboot or like remake of the older ones, which were I'm not gonna say better, but mm-hmm. just like well different. I, yeah, different. I I mean, with Predator, there is only one Predator, which is the first one. 
and everything. And the second one's kind of okay, but the but everything else is crap. Don't worry about it. You can just skip it. <laughs> um, and and, and I, I I'm not the only one who says that. Go look at the IMDb ratings for all those things. You'll see you'll see what I mean. Or Rotten Tomatoes. Take your pick. Um, so because what people are doing is they're constantly. Oh, here, this is, you got to understand, this is the way Hollywood works. Hollywood is filled with risk-adverse uh, executives, okay, who are making a six-figure salary. And uh, this, is, this is something that Rod Serling, the creator of The Twilight Zone, uh, there's a uh, reference that uh, Mr. Ward will love to pieces, um, <laughs> referred to as the trap, okay? So you've got an executive who, you become an executive in Hollywood, and the short version is this. Once they start giving you money and once you start relying on a salary, you have to do whatever the people that are above you tell you to do. I mean, that's just life, right? Yeah. And you're also working very hard, especially in Hollywood, to keep your job because it's hyper competitive. Okay. So if you have a choice between putting out some green lighting, some new original movie or green lighting something based on an 80s sitcom, you will pick the 80s sitcom every single time. Okay, or old movie or something, because it's a known name and people know it and it's basically safe. You'll make some money from it. Mm -hmm. Okay, and so it's just basically all about avoiding risk. That's really what it is. Um, Or as someone once said, it's astounding that anything good comes out of Hollywood at all. (laughs) (laughs) Every good thing that comes out of Hollywood is a minor miracle. And in fact, the only reason the Marvel movies are good is because you've got Kevin Feige, who's basically running rough, who knows what he's doing. And he's basically controlling everything to one degree or another. And he's the golden boy. If he leaves, the Marvel movies will probably start to turn to crap pretty fast, too. They'll become DC. Oh, pretty much. <laughs> well, you said it, not us. But oh, man, I'm, a DC, I'm a DC fan, so I'm allowed to say it. Okay, there we go. Yeah, <laughs> Batman versus There's Superman. your stamp of approval right there. We don't talk right about there. it anymore. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's best not to. I mean, DC has some great characters, but unfortunately, they have not managed to find anyone to run the show who's equal to Feige and who knows the material and can get can kind of coordinate and make them work. And now they've just given up. That's why there's like two Joker movies coming and there's like all these other random movies. And they're like, screw Connected Universe. We're just making movies. And if they work, they work. If they don't, they don't. Exactly. That's why we they have like 17 Batman movies. Exactly. Exactly. Which... They just gotta stop, man. They just gotta stop. <laughs> yeah. They have stopped after the Dark Knight Rises. Mm. Well, again, they can't because they they you know money. <laughs> that's, it's that simple. Well, that's, yeah, I mean, but I would have liked it. Suicide Squad, I think. <laughs> hmm? I think they did pretty good with Suicide. Like the money wise, they did pretty well with Suicide Squad. Yes. Um, and there is a rumor that they're I don't know if it's true or not that they're getting James Gunn, the guy who directed the. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy movies to do a new Suicide Squad movie. Okay, uh, I'm pretty sure he he would not screw that up. I love that guy so much. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, he got turfed from Marvel for a few bad tweets back in the day, and so um, which was a mistake on their part, in my opinion. But whatever. And then he, uh, yeah. So rumor has it DC has been courting him to like do a Suicide Squad movie. So we'll see if it happens. But that would be awesome, and he might actually be the guy who sets. DC back on the right track. We'll see what happens. Fingers see him doing it too, because whether you like it or not, Suicide Squad and Guardians of the Galaxy have a lot in common. They do. Yeah. I yeah. mean, in you get the sure, same like goofy energy. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and yeah, DC's a lot darker with their, their films and that, mm-hmm. but 
I mean, they're basically all there, just a group of misfits that get together to do good to an extent. (laughs) To an extent. (laughs) You've hit on the problem that I think when what that they have making DC movies is the DC characters are all super old. They're from like the 30s and the 40s. And they are. That, was, that was back before anybody really cared about continuity or realism or plausibility. It was in the 60s when Marvel came out, they added the drama. That was, the, mm-hmm. they called it Heroes with Problems. And the DC characters, Batman's the only one that you can really do that with. And that's kind of how we've made movies for a few decades. And I think that's DC's problem because Superman is supposed to be like your big brother. And he's pretty flawless, and he's awesome, and that doesn't work anymore. So if we make a Superman movie, he's going to be moping across country from one schlub job to the other because that's what I want to see in a Superman movie, not a dude flying and punching out robots or anything. And that's being sarcastic. Yes, yeah, I am. <laughs> and, and yeah, and that's and that's the thing because they they go for like Rob was saying, they play it safe, so they go for how we've been making movies for a while. And it doesn't work with like the bigger than life, you know, deities that that the DC ones are. Like I, I'm kind of hoping that's what the the Shazam movie fixes, because it does look like they're putting some of that like kind of goofy energy into that one. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yep. Um, actually, here's a weird fact. I was just preparing a lecture on uh, the history of comics, and um, Captain Marvel. Actually, back in the day, okay, during the heyday of the 1940s, when uh, when there was Superman, Batman, all the DC characters were there. It was called National Comics back then, but we're not going to worry about it. Um, And then there was another company called Fawcett Comics, and that's where Captain Marvel, Shazam, Captain Marvel comes from, because that's Mm -hmm. his actual original name is Captain Marvel. Um, And back in those days, he actually outsold all of them. Actually, he was actually the most popular of all those characters back in the day. Um, it would only be later on because Superman got his own like TV and radio shows and such that he ended up becoming more popular. But originally, actually, Captain Marvel was the popular character, not Superman. Mm. Mm-hmm. Even though he's technically uh, Superman ripoff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's Superman with lightning. Yeah, yeah. basically, yep. And I'm not so exactly that, sure what happened. Why they had? I, I remember that Marvel came up with Captain Marvel, and so they had Shazam. That's exactly right. For a while, there were two Captain Marvels. Actually, for a long time, there were. But for movie marketing, you can't have two. And yeah. so what they've done is they, for, in the comics, he's still called Captain Marvel. But I think they kind of agreed. Okay, we'll call this Captain Marvel Shazam just to avoid confusion. Yeah. Because they yeah. both had Captain Marvels for a long time, and so they kind of just co-owned the name with different yeah. characters. And the newer comic books too are called Shazam. Yeah, yep. well, I think it, it's so confusing yeah. when you when you call him Shazam. People are like his name is Captain Marvel, but yeah, they, he just it, says Shazam as a way. Which yeah. in fact, Shazam is the name of his old mentor guy he got the power from. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I believe the wizard is called Shazam that gives him the power. That's where yeah, he's and, from. Yeah, and each letter is um, a god that he gets yep. the power from. Oh, yes. Yeah. What what happened with right. the comic, um, the reason that they, they, they changed the name is um, way back in the day when, when Captain Marvel took off, the guys who owned Superman at the time sued them and basically sued them into the ground. And they kind of killed the character. In the 70s, DC bought the rights to all the old Fawcett characters, but 
in order to, I don't know if it was to screw with them or to just keep the name to avoid confusion, Marvel whipped up a Captain Marvel comic. And because they had the trademark for the name, DC couldn't use it. And that was when, when they, DC got the rights to him. That's when they started calling him Shazam. Mm. But he was, he's called Captain Marvel, though, even maybe not on the title, but in the, I think that the old comics from DC are called Shazam, you're right. But he's yeah. called Captain Marvel in, in the book. In the, in the book, yeah. But, they call but, him that in the book. Like but the they can't superhero call guy is Captain Marvel, but I think like yeah. Billy Baxter and Captain Marvel together as like one person is Shazam. Yeah, well, they use that for the comic. There was a TV show. They had to they use that for the title. Uh, it's what he always yells. It's it's again. It's he's supposed to be calling to that old wizard guy because the wizard guy dies when he hands over the power, and then by summoning up his energy, he gets his his superpowers. But because Marvel had a Captain Marvel, they couldn't do that. But they would call him that in the comic. Yeah, in the comic, he's still referred to as Captain Marvel. Yeah. and even like I think the Young Justice animated series they even call him captain marvel in that they don't call yeah. him shazam yeah yeah so yeah okay so there's that yeah the, the problem is almost all the dc stuff is still going from the lens of batman like mm. batman was okay. the only thing that worked so they're still <laughs> batmaning up everything with with the exception of the stuff that's on the cw right now that stuff is more you know a little more goofy yeah. but uh, but but if you've seen like for example there's all the movies are are Batman movies, the even the new Titans TV series or web series, whatever you want to call it, that they're doing is very much the Teen Titans as viewed through the lens of Batman. Yeah. It's not a proper Teen Titans series exactly. It's it's a Batman Teen Titans series is what it <laughs> is. So it's very dark. Very, very... It's not I, bad, I think, but it's very dark. Yeah, that's because I think Batman was where all the money was at because that yep. was the most popular. Everybody's just like... Batman's good, so they're Hollywood's like, let's just go with Batman. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, if you ask anyone who the first superhero comes to mind is, they're most likely going to say Batman. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, Batman or Spider-Man, probably one of those two. Or these days, maybe Iron Man for some for some people. But uh, yeah, I could I could totally see that. Um, and so it's since that's who makes the monies, you know, that's that's what's going to happen. But yeah, if we're lucky, Shazam will change that. I hope. <laughs> Yes, yeah, they, very excited for Shazam. They need to bring back the Red Bee. That's a property that's just looking for a big budget movie. Oh, <laughs> uh, I thought it was the was it? He, no, it's not the Red Bee. I thought it was the Crimson Bee or something like that. The original was the Red Bee. I think they called him that uh, once they got the rights to him in the seventies. Uh, okay, Don is referring to a pulp <laughs> era, like nineteen forties era superhero who was basically a guy running around with a trained pet bee that, yeah. like, a, a normal bee that yeah. sti- that stings the bad guy at the at critical <laughs> moments, so the best so the hero can like beat him in fights. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Oh, that's great. That- that's a relatable character. I feel like that everybody would be able to relate to that guy. Exactly, exactly. The Red Bee, there we go. Um, see, this is something we don't, we, we again, comics back in like the 1940s and 50s and that, well, okay, 40s anyway, were, a, were like a huge medium that almost everyone read at one point. And they were selling like millions of copies of every issue. Mm-hmm. I can remember we're talking about before TV comes around. And so as then, hmm? Even the bad ones were selling even, like even, even know, the bad ones. I, I was just listening to uh, Bill Gaines, who is a guy who ran a company called EC Comics. 
I was just listening to a clip with from him today as part of my research on comic books. And he was uh, talking about how when EC comics became popular, they were specialized in horror comics and crime comics. And their horror comics and crime comics took off. And he said when their horror comic took off, in no time, there were 130 titles competing with them. <laughs> yeah. there were That means there were 130 different comics out there, different ones, competing with them once they got popular. Yeah. Just in horror comics. So that today, I don't, Marvel and DC don't even publish 130 books together. Mm. Um, so that's, it's just, it was huge back then. And that's, that's one of the things, right? Comic books as a medium have, have really shrunk. They're actually a tiny fraction of what they once were, unfortunately. Um, and the, it's, which is ironic because of course the movies and television shows are super popular, but unfortunately people aren't buying that many actual comic books. Yeah. Uh, maybe for the reasons that we talked about at the beginning, where it's just too many crossovers and uh, too much marketing crap and stuff like New 52 and everything else. And so people just got tired of them. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, speaking of tired, uh, we don't want to keep you guys up too late. because <laughs> I know it's you guys are about to turn into pumpkins, I suspect. So so thank you very much for coming on the show, uh, Nika mm. and Matt. Um, it's been fascinating hearing about you and hearing about your club and getting another perspective from the younger generation. Yeah. Well, thank you been... for having us. And yeah, yeah, if you guys want to come back on sometime, just let us know. And we'd be happy to have you, you or other members of your club, come on and talk about different stuff. And uh, we can uh, trade tips and we can <laughs> give you the old guy perspective. Oh yeah. I'd love that. I, I think Mr. Ward would like to come on here with us sometime. Oh, I'm sure. I'm oh, sure yeah. he would. I'm sure. Well, Mr. Ward, as you may or may not know, has been on here many times. Oh yeah. Yeah, that was my yeah. introductory podcast. Was the latest one with him. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> the one about robots. Yeah. Yeah, I was that was a little bit of that. Yeah, that was that was a good great show. Actually, we had a great discussion about robots. Yeah. But yeah, Mr. Ward knows a lot. Yeah, it got depressing <laughs> in a hurry. That's true. But <laughs> I mean, we are going to be replaced by robots. But you know, whatever. Mm. <laughs> got to have fun while we can thank thank you all on that happy note thanks mm. for listening guys thanks for being on the show matt and annika and we will talk to you guys next time so listen to our next podcast good night thanks for listening to the show if you'd like to hear more or join the conversation come visit us at obeythedna.com you can also find us on itunes or whatever fine podcast site forgot to lock their back door so until next time, remember that to master the nerdly arts takes time, practice, and enough Coca-Cola to drop a rhino. See ya!